Yeah, no, when people are like, isn't it strange to hear your own voice in a recording? I'm always like, no, it sounds exactly like me. Predictably. Insofar as it is me. Okay, let's count down this second episode. Five, four, three, two, one, ready, let's go. <laughs> that was it, that was the counter. That's it. That's it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And now, brought to you by Muquano Coffee Roasters, www.muquanocoffee.com. Coming to you live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from the Nakatomi Cigar Room in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, it's the Gut Check Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck. Joined as always in studio by my lap desk <laughs> and my lap desk as well. Also, my good friend and his lap desk, Zachary Bartles. We're just two guys in the studio doing radio with lap desks. It's very innocent and very nice. <laughs> Zach, we um, we have a unique opportunity tonight, and I think there's there there are a lot of ways we could talk about it, but to me, it's a it's an opportunity because it's a chance to give back. And we talk about this company a lot. I mean, even tonight. Look at tonight. The opulence, <laughs> the decadence that we've enjoyed. Uh, the the spotlight fru- on us and our work. The spotlight on us and our work. The fruits of our labor. The stakes. Kind of, the stakes. The stakes were high tonight, The stakes were high tonight. The stakes were good tonight. Us oh, being, they were so good. Us being celebrated all the live long night, it, it, including our waiter being celebrated also kind of at a level with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the people doing shout the, out to Matt. the shout people out Matt. doing the celebrating of us, also us. So <laughs> that's right. There was consistency there though, in that we were doing the celebrating of ourselves. <laughs> but Zach, one of the things I'm I, I most love about this company that's very real is uh, is our our altruistic spirit. And from time to time, we, we decide, you know what, enough about us. Um, let's think about literacy and let's get back a little bit. And Specifically what we have written. <laughs> yeah, by, by turning the spotlight on our own work. And we'd also like you to buy either the ebook or the paperback. Of- it's a very small sliver of literacy, to be fair. And folks, listen. We're not going to be reading Catcher in the Rye or To Kill a Mockingbird. Not not on this program. We know that it's been six no. months since you heard any of this or thereabouts. Uh, and you probably don't remember what's going on. But you can go back and listen if you want. Or better yet, to not be lost. You can Buy the novel. Buy the novel. Ted's got a copy of it in his hands. I'm reading it's it on, on the Remarkable. Own. Yeah. So on the Remarkable. I could jot notes on, on it if your I wanted. Desk. Yeah. yeah, you could. <laughs> I could jot notes in mine too, but it would be they'd be there permanently. What's going on? Just to kind of bring people up to speed is things are starting to uh, acquiesce. And that's not the right word. Things just <laughs> things are starting to kind of uh, coalesce. coalesce. I knew there was lessing going on. Less less is more, if less you will. Less is more. Um, L-E-S-C-E, that, that's an episode title. L-E-S-C-E-S-C-E, find out what it means to me. But uh, they're starting to coalesce once again around the, uh, 
the uh, Kilometer High Stadium, Ooh. Dynax Lifeway, Monsanto Stadium. I love yep. how everything comes together. Yes. All I those like that too. threads are tied. Yeah, they're really tied in a way that was very well planned. Mm-hmm. From the beginning. From I'm the sure. very beginning. When we storyboarded this thing six years ago. That I mean, was quite a weekend. And yeah. we went through a lot of glass writing on it with markers. <laughs> we did. We wrote it on with permanent markers, glass. so we had to just... If yeah. had to remarkable. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. We could have saved a fortune in glass. <laughs> Um, so things are starting to come together. Uh, I'm not going to rehash any more than that. No, uh, there's certain characters who are on their way across the country. Uh, one thing that you do need to know, if you don't remember, is that all of Brooklyn is currently in a state of emergency because hipsters... They're all dehydrated, all the hipsters. Their, their, their internal organs are crumbling like old scones. It's all coffee in the morning and IPAs in the evening. They're it's dehydrated. It's not a pandemic. No, it's not a pandemic. But it is, in the, a way. Mm-hmm. If they'd yes. been wearing masks, they wouldn't have been able to wear all the yeah. drink all that stuff. Timely. Yeah. Very okay. Timely. It's always timely. And this stuff takes place in 2000, uh, I want to say 15, but it was written, the last part of it, like 2019, which I think is fun. Isn't that what fiction is supposed to do, though? Speak some truth into today and kind of where we're at. Or like five years take ago. Take you to yeah. another world of five like, years ago. Take you to Brooklyn. Escape to Brooklyn. Beautiful Brooklyn, 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 Brooklyn with people fainting on the sidewalk. That's right. That's right. Zach, we're uh, we're looking at chapter forty-seven here. Possibilities. This is one of yours, indeed. So I'm going to let you take this. But are there any parts that you would like me? to... How about if uh, you be Lewis Ironsides? Uh, I would love it. I'm I'm in. All right, here we go. Actually, let's also see if so. It switches over. You be Schofield in the second okay. section. Okay. Yep. Here we go. Chapter forty-seven. Possibilities. <laughs> Lewis Ironsides has a slight limp, but it's not a whole lot different than the standard fat guy walk he's always had. <laughs> and there's definitely some scarring from the flames and the explosion, but again, Ironsides already had bad skin from an acne-heavy adolescence, so it's hard to divide the blame. Ah, wait, wait, so did he also have, like, sticker-related injuries? Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh. Hey, hey, too soon. He arrived at East Denver High in a boxy U-Haul truck, two hours late, but Josh isn't complaining. In fact, he's over the moon, because he's got followers again. He hasn't worked out the particulars of how this new roster will work just yet. Maybe Max is the beast from the sea and Lewis is the beast from the abyss? Or maybe he and Lewis are the two witnesses and Max is the whore of Babylon? If they could get one more willing participant, they could have the four horsemen. Ah, who cares? All that revelation stuff is interchangeable anyway, in that the the Apostle John, who wrote it all down 2,000 years ago, wouldn't even kind of recognize the tortured, twisted, mad-libbed-up version of these events touted by modern dispensationalists. But what did John the Apostle know? The guy had been banished to an island. Josh, on the other hand, was right in the middle of everything. Maybe when this was all over, he'd write his own version of Revelations. A better (laughs) version. Rabbi Pastor. Lewis calls out, extending a hand. Good to see you, Reverend, Rabbi Pastor says. Yeah, he's going by Rabbi Pastor again. It's just easier. What's with the U-Haul? Lewis chuckles. (laughs) Check this out. (laughs) Good, Good chuckle, dude. You guys. Oh, hold on, I'm gonna kill a mosquito. I've been trying to catch it. It's gone. There are 30,000 mosquitoes just right outside the door, so it's a miracle there's only one in here. Um, He flips the rear hatch and with a push sends the door rolling up into the housing, revealing floor to ceiling, wall to wall rows of canvas bags. And what do we have here? Josh asks. Townsend's dirt bags, he answers. (laughs) In which lies the secret power of Ultra Jest. Thought they might come in handy. 
Josh grins. <laughs> you thought right. Let's take him out. Onto the field. He climbs into the passenger seat of the truck. Ironside struggles a bit to hoist himself back up behind the wheel and brings the engine to life. The sound of Charlie Daniels singing The Devil Came Down to Georgia blares from the stereo for just a moment before Ironsides turns it all the way down. So why are we meeting at a high school football field? He asks, easily guiding the truck up toward the stadium in the light of the blood moon. Some sort of run-through for tomorrow? Nah, Josh says, as they emerge from a short tunnel onto the field where a Gulfstream G650 takes up a third of the turf. It's the only place I could find to stash my jet. Ooh, solid flex. Yes. Ah, section break. Who am I in this one? Ah, Schofield. Schofield. Jerry B. Schofield looks down at the ornate silver tray on the mahogany desk, upon which sits a highball glass full of white rum and a vaping rig on a folded cloth napkin. He swallows hard. It would be easier if it were pills, he thinks. Like most unhappy white rich people, he long ago taught himself to down any number of pills without really thinking about their long-term or short-term effect on his health and well-being. But vaping is foreign to him. Beneath him. I don't think you have any lines here. <laughs> Still. <laughs> but just be him. All right? I, just, I, I, I gulped. Body him. Yeah, yeah, he, he I did gulped. Gulped. I, I heard you yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still, this is important for several reasons. First, if he's going to command an army of millions of dirtbags, hulked up and dumbed down by his patent-pending bull juice, he should probably know firsthand the effects that it has on his minions. He hasn't gotten this far ahead by leading from the rear, after all. But more importantly, tomorrow's the big game. As the on-paper owner of the Brooklyn Vegans, Schofield has long known that it was technically possible to add himself to the roster, to demand that the hedge coach put him on the field. Just knowing it was a possibility was a bit of a power trip, like knowing he could buy and sell the Florida Keys, a scenario he's gone over several times with his finance guy, covering every possible possibility. I think it just says every possibility. <laughs> I.e. buying, selling them individually, mix and match, or as a package with a bulk discount. He's never going to do it, of course. It's just a little rush to know that he could. And when you're this rich, and you've already done everything the world of excess, decadence, and debauchery has to offer, including hunting people, paying people to hunt you while they in turn are hunted by other people, and melting <laughs> polar ice caps with a space ah. laser, a little rush of possibility ah. goes a long way. It's yeah. the same thing with his Power Investment Club, which is not a group of powerful men talking about financial investing, but rather a group of power brokers that meets every Wednesday to muse about whether there's any political, military, or cultural shift they couldn't pull off with their combined influence. <laughs> Why, just this past week, Schofield had convinced the others that he could position famous millionaire playboy and serial Howard Stern guest Donald Trump to win the presidency. <laughs> Again, he'd never do it, but he could if he wanted to, and that was the point. Also, wouldn't that be hilarious? But playing with the vegans, suiting up and taking the field in front of all those screaming fans, is about to leave the realm of possibility and become actual televised reality. Schofield grabs up the vaping rig, wraps his carmexed lips around it, and, and sucks, down, <laughs> sucks down two lungfuls of bull juice. Yes. What a great chapter, baby. Sure. All right. Here we are in 48. 48 sad boys. So, yeah. you'd be you be Duke. Is this one of yours or one of mine? It's yours, man. Mm. I'll be Van Shrimpy, and that's it. Okay. I'm Duke, you're Van Shrimpy. This is Chapter 48, Sad Boys. Nebraska is totally on the way to Denver, in that you have to drive right through Nebraska, what with its endless flat miles of <laughs> cornfields, to get to Denver, thinks Stacy Townsend. <laughs> 
These are all things, she thinks, but doesn't say out loud due to Jim's still considerable ego. Townsend commandeers an abandoned Prius in Brooklyn, which a hipster just staggered out of and left. (laughs) Townsend glances at the paperwork and sees that the car is actually registered to and insured under a set of no doubt hardworking and sensible parents from Indiana. Townsend throws the Prius into gear and roars down an abandoned alley. Roars, in this case, meaning the high, tinny whine of a most a mostly electric engine. A whine that is akin to those track cars that you got at Christmas, which always disappointingly flew off the track at the corners and smelled like hot wire. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> a whine that is sensitive, high-pitched, and shrill, just like the voices... Just like the voices of many of their drivers. Nice. What the crap just happened? Sorry. What was that, baby? Is it okay? It's fine. You want to take that line again? No, a, a wine yeah. that is? A wine that is sensitive, high-pitched, and shrill, just like the voices of many of their drivers. <laughs> Townsend, Stacy, and Jennifer all roll their eyes in unison and then chuckle at the fact that they are all being smug about the noise the Prius makes together. <laughs> Jennifer explains that there are no sad boys in Omaha, which was her motivation for moving to Brooklyn. <laughs> what are sad boys, Stacy asks. You know, boys that hang out in coffee shops and play the mandolin and are, like, sad, she explains. <laughs> what are they sad about? Jim asks. It seems to him to be an extremely sensible question. Like, what do boys who have all the resources and opportunities and education in the world find to be, like, sad about? <laughs> Stacy sniffs at the irony of this question, coming from a man who wanted to recolonize Nebraska, <laughs> based largely on how much fun he had playing a tabletop board game. <laughs> Jennifer sits silently for a few minutes, mulling this question over, as though it was the first time it had occurred to her. In all her months of selling discounted articles of clothing to sad boys and watching them drink coffee, it had never occurred to her to ask, What's wrong? <laughs> I guess they were sad about culture and stuff. (laughs) Like the plight of oppressed women and politics and stuff, she says, finally. And you were excited about dating guys like this, Stacy asks. She's genuinely interested, which is a cool thing about Stacy Townsend. (laughs) Nobody really dates anymore, Jennifer replies. Sad boys just hang out. (laughs) And we get a little page break. During the page break, can you just remember, who the heck is Jennifer? She's a new character. She worked at Marshalls in She worked uh, at the Marshalls in Brooklyn. In, oh, in Brooklyn, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Which was an homage to the time that we went to Marshalls in New York City together. <laughs> via the Marshalls app. The that Marshalls I app, my phone. yeah. Not yeah. the Marshalls app that shows you where all the U.S. Marshalls are, but the other <laughs> Marshalls yeah, app. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next, uh, next section. Duke Morrison hates hipsters, obviously. <laughs> but he feels a pang of compassion for them as he inspects the tape job on his ankles and slips on a pair of Brooklyn Vegans officially licensed shorts to go out and jog around the field, as was his pregame custom all those years as a player. The locker room television is, for some reason, turned around-the-clock news of the hipster evacuation happening in Brooklyn. Duke sees news footage of a young man named Trevor limping down a street with a mandolin in one hand and a head of organic lettuce in the other. Trevor's outfit, by Duke's estimation, is probably worth $1,200, but is meant to look shabby and thrown together. Trevor, on the news, falls down, and the head of lettuce rolls dramatically up against a fence, 
That'd make a great fine art photo, Duke <laughs> says to no one. Duke grunts and picks up his phone. He texts his high-ranking friend in the health department the following cryptic copy. The community's Beachcomber Community Center walk-in refrigerator. 400 gallons of fresh breast milk. Don't ask. Use it to revive the hipsters. The friend texts back the rolling on the floor laughing emoji, which Duke has never in his life used because he has never actually rolled on the floor while laughing. Duke Morrison is a super literal person when it comes to texting and emojis and also everything. <laughs> and also everything. To which Duke texts, no, no, I'm serious. <laughs> his text, so his voice. <laughs> The breast milk has tons of nutrients these skinny little grease balls will need to flush all the coffee and IPA out of their weak systems. He is pleased with himself for not swearing in the text. The guy leaves him on red. Duke tosses the phone in his locker, laces up his old school cleats, and goes for a jog around the field. The early arrivers roar their approval as he exits the visitor's tunnel and reaches the playing field. The grass is pristine. He feels achy, old, slow, and terrible, which makes him unspeakably happy. Nice. And then a page break. Um, do we have any Van Trimpey quotes in here? I don't think we do. Okay, I'll just be him then. You be him in spirit. <laughs> Tim Van Trimpey is sad. While he should be in the coach's booth going over his call sheet and checking the connectivity on his headset, he is instead Ubering to Denver area GameStop franchises, looking for a <laughs> controller he can retrofit at the 11th hour for strongbow controlling purposes. <laughs> he thinks he left some old components in his old lair in the Dynex Lifeway sub-basement, the thought of which lair makes him less sad. <laughs> he wonders if it's still intact. He doesn't remember that he engulfed it in flames on our day, which is maybe a thing that I didn't remember that got added in to the manuscript. The sight of a grown man dressed head to toe in Brooklyn Vegan's ASFL gear, looking frantically for used Sega Genesis controllers, brings a chuckle to the greasy faces of the kinds of people who work in Denver area GameStop franchises. Van Shrimpy leaves empty-handed, save for a copy of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, which he is really excited to play, if and when the pro football job falls through, which he feels it undoubtedly will. Oh, That's the end of the chapter. Um, the right, next I'll, one, I'll be Edith in the next one. Is it you or me, the next it's one? Your, it's yours. It's mine, okay. These are short. Should we keep doing these, or should yeah. we go home, baby? No, keep doing keep, them. Do, keep doing them. Right, I'm not tired. Are you Okay. Dude, this is how she always is. I want to know how you're doing. You're going to make it. I'm going to make it. They're very short. Can I be um, Wiles in this one? Of course. You can be whoever you want to be. I want to be. Except you, because I'm Duke all time. I'll be, uh, I'll be Edith and Wiles. Edith and Wiles. I love it. Chapter 49. Life doesn't have to be that complicated. There's no excitement like pregame of a pro football game, and that is a fact, thinks Duke Morrison. How does he think it, though? There's no excitement. <laughs> He stands in the tunnel in his gear and tailored 99 jersey and watches the stands fill with fans, listens to the pregame hip-hop warm-up tracks that he knows none of the lyrics of, <laughs> and chats with his agent, who is 20 years his junior and, Duke thinks, looks cute in the same way that toddlers look when dressed in a suit 
I'm going to miss all this, he growls. Then he signed some autographs for kids and their grandfathers who remember when Duke Morrison was a player the first time. He wipes away a tear as he watches Troy Aikman Morrison and Walter Payton Morrison warming up on the same field in a game that they will be playing in together. Duke doesn't realize that it that being in a game in a huddle with his kids was even a bucket list item until Troy Aikman Morrison graduated from college the week before. <laughs> you okay, Duke? The agent asks before Duke makes up something about accidentally getting some eye black in his eyes. He is fooling no one and is legitimately weepy. Duke gazes across the, fra- the flawless green turf and sees his best guy friend, Coach Tim Van Trippy, with a huge chaw of tobacco on his lower lip. Timmy is in his element, he says to no one before smiling. Timmy is actually terrified and has puked four times. <laughs> He's terrified because there's no neck port and no Sega controller this time. Just Van Trippy, his intellectually limited quarterback, Ted Strongbow, and his call sheet. Edith Loyola, Edith Ignatius Loyola, rasps the sinewy woman in the media credentials line <laughs> at, at gate B of Dynex Lifeway Hobby Lobby Stadium. <laughs> she feels real pride when she is handed the laminated badge and lanyard with her name on it, just above the words Harper's Bazaar. Harper's Bazaar is no longer a real magazine and is actually just a Twitter handle <laughs> and a post office box in Altoona, Pennsylvania. But still, Edith will be expected to tweet clever observances from the game from her seat in the press box, where she will help herself to multiple trips to a lavish complimentary buffet. Edith Ignatius Loyola, finally, is a real writer. (laughs) Everyone wants to be a writer. Everybody wants to be a writer in this. That's the thing. Um, We get a little page break. Having awakened from a deep slumber after his marathon milk pumping session... (laughs) Father Vince took a few minutes to get his bearings. He was asleep for 26 hours. His immediate thought was, I have to get out of this lactation room, <laughs> as the room began to fill with actual mothers. The, ga- <laughs> the Gatorade jugs of Vince's nutrient-rich breast milk. <laughs> he pumped it, because the ultra just... That's a yeah. thing. <laughs> We're long gone, hopefully now reanimating hospitals full of hipsters. (laughs) And then a strange thing happened. Vince made his way down to the vegans' pregame locker room and just started helping. He unloaded boxes of tape for the trainers. He hung jerseys and helmets in the lockers. He set out a fresh, glossy game program on the stool in front of each player's locker, the cover of which program featured a pose shot of Duke Morrison in uniform. His body looking shredded, but his face looking like the face of a normal old guy. <laughs> it's a I thing. <laughs> I like this, Vince thinks to himself. What he likes, he discovers, is just being a guy doing a job. I'm going to sleep good tonight, he thinks. <laughs> and, not, <laughs> and not because he pumped out 400 gallons of breast milk. Because he will have done a, he will have done a good, hard day's work. It is, dude. We started so to get funny. sentimental at the end of this. I know, dude. Totally I started getting choked up at, the, at this. He texts Carol Ann several times, hoping that she isn't responding, because she's already driving to the stadium. Oh, we'll pay for it. I have ripped your heart out, dude. <coughs> Dr. James Wiles found his way to Dr. Tim Van Shrimpy's blackened secret underground lair in sub-basement C of the stadium. As it turns out, this is the only quiet place for a guy to get some good writing done. <laughs> 
during the ASFL season opener. He flips open his laptop and checks his email. And then he smiles. The door flies open and in the doorway is Van Shrimpy looking harried. Tim, check this out. Lyle says. You're Van Shrimpy also. Not now, James. I'm busy. Is Van Shrimpy's curt reply. He looks like a guy who has just puked four times. (laughs) There's a particular look. There's a look. There's a look. If you've seen it, you've seen it. All right, next section. Jim Townsend, while feeling somewhat obligated to make fun of Toyota Priuses, was actually super impressed with the car's performance on the long drive from Brooklyn to Dynex Lifeway LaHaye Armament Stadium. He wheels the tiny car into a spot on row 438D of the stadium's expansive parking lot and says, Hey, you guys, help me remember 438D. (laughs) And in the manner of all men saying this kind of thing to a car full of women, he is completely ignored. (laughs) He checks the rearview mirror and sees Stacy and Jennifer deep in conversation, which they've been in since, oh, Iowa. He hasn't seen his wife this happy for a long time and wonders momentarily why he thought they had to recolonize the state of Nebraska (laughs) or invent a fertility-slash-anabolic compound or even write a workout book to impress his wife. As it turns out, all he had to do was drive carefully, make plenty of bathroom stops, and keep an Indigo Girls CD playing softly on repeat. (laughs) Life is only really complicated when I make it complicated, thinks Jim Townsend. He's growing so much. He's growing. He's grown up. Life is only really complicated when I make it complicated, thinks Jim Townsend, before making the six-mile walk <laughs> to the ticket booth to purchase three tickets, stopping only to make a quick call, arranging for the Prius to be returned to the nice, hard-working couple from Indiana who paid for it in the first place. Good, guy. Good dude, Townsend. Salt Solid of the guy. earth. Solid guy. Last section here in this, this chapter, a little long one. Uh, here we go. When the fireworks go off just before player introductions, Duke Morrison weeps openly. He is some combination of super jacked, super scared, and super convinced he is going to play horribly on account of how bad his body feels. This is his dark secret, but even the dark secret can't dampen how good he feels in this very moment. He looks into the stands and catches his wife, Kate's eye. Last time they were in this stadium together... I <laughs> A guy was getting blown up by a grenade. (laughs) And he and Kate fell in love and got married. (laughs) So romantic. Life is funny that way. (laughs) (laughs) Are you okay? Yeah. The the next line is funny. Okay, let's hear it. He feels a small hand on his steroidal arm. The small hand belongs to Dr. James Wiles. Duke, check this out. This is amazing. Wiles says, Not now, James. Duke growls. It growls everything. <laughs> and starting at strong safety out of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Homeschool Co-op, weighing 225 pounds, Walter Peyton Morrison. The stadium erupts as Duke's son takes the field. Duke is sobbing. And finally, making his official asphalt return to Dynex Lifeway Crossway Cinnabon Stadium. <laughs> weighing 255 pounds, starting at inside linebacker Duke Morrison. Duke runs through the tunnel of his teammates, screaming incoherently and headbutting all of his teammates. 
before stopping at Troy Aikman Morrison, whom he cradles in a warm embrace. Have a great game, son, he says. And no matter what happens, I love you. Oh, I just shed a real tear. I know, dude. Dude, I I don't like your flippance. No, I'm serious. That's not a word, is it? Flippancy? Flippancy. (laughs) All right. Chapter 50. Apocapons. Apocapons. It's like, like Apocalypse, apocalypse but pawns of. Yeah. All right. Pawns. Dude, we're so near the end of this book, man. It's only like a, a little while long. Longer Finish the whole thing the, tonight? No, I don't think we should no, do that. No, but, I don't uh, think we should do I see how much is left, and I do not have <laughs> Maybe we're going to do one more chapter. One more chapter. Do I have any parts in this chapter? Yeah, I want you to be any anybody who you've done before who shows up. Okay, yeah. Jerry Schofield is missing his chance to start in the Vegans Values game. The reason is as simple as it is troubling. His hair is growing at an inhuman rate. All of it. From atop his head, his beard, his chest, even his ear hair. It's coming in as fast as he can cut it off with a pair of silver-plated scissors he keeps in his desk drawer. That's so gross. He's alarmed and disgusted by all this, of course, but he's also thankful that he only took one hit of the bull juice. He wonders as he continually shears his curling salt-and-pepper locks, struggling to keep up, how many of his players followed his instructions and vaped all the way through the experimental vial. If you don't remember, uh, Father Vincent did like 40 vials of it or something. Um, Obviously, Max Darby had indeed screwed up some mundane detail, which to be fair, he had warned Schofield he would do. For a moment, he forgets his own dire situation and wonders what on earth would happen to someone who vaped a whole cartridge of the stuff. It's been ages since Duke Morrison has personally taken part in an asphalt coin toss. He's stood by and watched hundreds and never really thought of them as anything special. But now, standing here at the 50-yard line with his two co-captains, he feels a lump forming in his throat. The fact that his son, Troy, will be calling the toss undoubtedly factors into this. Duke's old guy sentimentality vanishes, however, at the sight of the values captain approaching them. Dirk Brothers smirks at his former teammates while he sarcastically waves hello, a combination that makes a new vein pop up on Duke's forehead. Next to Brothers, Denver Values number 70, Corey Wuhan Johnson, gazes at his new quarterback with near worship. Duke's rage morphs into a mixture of fascination and revulsion as his eyes light on the Values' third captain, a white guy with dreadlocks who can't be more than two feet Reggie, tall. Reggie, dude. <laughs> no, no, it's not Reggie. Oh. It's, uh, it's Carol Ann's son. Oh, yeah. Way shorter than the late Reginald Faustus. Although Reggie would definitely have killed for those dreads. <laughs> Duke can't help but gawk, although he knows it's rude. Leaning forward a bit, Duke can actually look down at the back of the tiny person's jersey and read the name Romero stitched there. This makes no sense. The only other Romero Duke knows is the former priest and current writing group member who's been so uncharacteristically helpful today. Morrison's train of thought is cut short by the announcer's voice booming, Ladies and gentlemen, Moody Crossway Monsanto Kilometer High Stadium is proud to present Denver Values Hall of Famer Gary Zipperhead to toss the coin. Zipperhead sidles up next to the ref, a decidedly feminine fur coat wrapped around his shoulders. The ref ref holds up the commemorative coin for the vegans' captains to see. Okay, gentlemen, the ref says, the genetically engineered ear of corn is tails. The blue 82 daisy cutter bomb is heads. Yeah. Your call, vegans. Heads. heads. Oh, I'm sorry, you're Troy. Yeah, go ahead. That'll be Troy. Heads. Troy says, glancing over at his father. Like, oh, it's, it's not quite as raspy <laughs> as his dad. It's <laughs> yeah, not yeah. old enough. Give it time. Give yeah, it time. Yeah. Glancing over at his father. It should have been a moment between the two of them. A singular moment. Father and son together at the to- coin toss. Both playing in the same game. On the same team. But Duke is distracted by his hatred for brothers and misses out. 
Brother seems to intuit this and flashes them a malicious grin. Zipperhead flips the coin into the air and it silently lands on the turf, genetically engineered corn side up. Troy lets out an almost imperceptible sigh of disappointment. <laughs> Duke squeezes his shoulder in a fatherly way. Strongbow says, That was neat. Can we do that again? <laughs> it's Tails, the ref says, looking to the values captains. What do you want to do? We'll defer, says the grotesque man-child. Okay, the ref nods. Morrison? We'll kick off. Duke wait, says. Wait, wait, Put that book down. It's going to block that. Oh, yeah. We'll kick off. Duke and Troy say in unison. Why didn't you do it in unison? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> then they laugh. Strongbow laughs too, but he doesn't really know why. <laughs> Which way? Duke points west. The freakishly small six-week-old man, <laughs> man goblin chuckles. His eyes dark and menacing behind the dingy dreadlocks. We will receive toward the rising sun, he chants, toward the coming of a new dawn. Blessed be. All of this. <laughs> all of this makes the hairs stand up on the back of Duke's meaty neck, but but he he makes them lie back down by sheer force of will, and spits the words "rising sun." It's like two in the afternoon. Toward the kid, without looking at him, ten thousand feet above their heads, the creepy baby's grandfather, Lewis Ironsides, pilots a Gulfstream jet. Years earlier, as a recent college graduate, he joined the Air National Guard, not out of a sense of patriotism, but because Tim Van Shrimpy had prophesied on his television show that World War III would break out in 1988, centered in the plains of Megiddo, and Ironsides wanted to avoid the draft. The war never came, of course, and had Lewis known about his unnatural ability to absorb bullets and all manner of ordnance without so much as, like, dying, he probably wouldn't have worried anyway. Things all worked out for the best, though, because it means he's able to position Rabbi Pastor right over the stadium, easily descending to 8,000 feet before pulling the lever to open the bay doors, releasing Van Trimpe's titanium golf cart, complete with flamethrowers and a little nozzle that shoots an oil slick out the back. It drops like an anvil for a few seconds, during which Rabbi Pastor shouts, Wahoo! like slim pickens at the end of Dr. Strangelove. Then the parachute engages, and he ends up just getting another half-whoop in there, such that it comes out, Wah-oh! <laughs> Which no one hears, but still makes him feel like an idiot. Peering over the side of the custom cart, Josh can see all of Greater Denver, New Jerusalem, a city on a hill. Directly beneath him is the stadium, like an anthill swarming with unsuspecting apocalypse pawns. Apocapons? No. Or maybe? No. No, that's stupid. He's nervous, not only because this is a pretty dangerous maneuver, but also because this is his last chance to redeem himself as an end times influencer. Last rapture. Last rapture, he'd been pivotal in kicking things off and bringing all the players to the field. But at the end of the night, no one had been talking about Rabbi Pastor Ben Avraham. It was all Duke this and Van Shrimpy that. He's descending steadily now and uses the handles of the parachute to begin his approach to the field. He's near enough the earth to see that gameplay hasn't begun. In fact, it looks like the kickoff is just moments away. Section break. Father... I'm sorry, KKD has something to say? Haven't she said it? I'm so sleepy. We're almost done. We're almost done. We'll get, we'll get listen, there. listeners, we're almost done. Literacy okay. is really important. Literacy right? isn't... Do you care about literacy and the kids? You don't Do you care, care about, about the company kids? giving back? 
You guys, it's it's eleven eighteen. But to be fair, uh, where Kristen lives, it's ten eighteen. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like KK's just using the company all for her. Yeah, you, know I mean? you ate the steak, but you don't want to listen to the the stories. You don't want to get back a little bit. Yeah, you, did. <laughs> you didn't enjoy your steak as much as I enjoyed it. Well, I didn't yeah. express my enjoyment as much as She kept it inside, true. really. Who could? Yeah, Who that's could? true. <laughs> Father, right, Father Vincent Romero is going a little overboard with the being helpful thing. Taping hand-embossed hand cards. He used the embosser that I used on the sticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taping hand-embossed cards to each player's locker, each one bearing a personalized message, like, whatever happens tonight, you're a winner in my book, Ross, <laughs> a.k.a. Father Vincent. He knows it's probably his imagination, but it seems like even his run to Michael's for the crafting supplies and his use of glitter, stamps, and Mod Podge has been kind of superhuman, thanks to the bull juice. (laughs) If only Carol Ann could see me now, he thinks. See me for what I really am. Not a jock, not a dirtbag, not a pawn in anyone's apocalyptic plan. Just a normal guy. (sighs) Suddenly he falls to his knees hard, the breath sucking down his lungs. Something is very wrong. He looks down at his hands, but he can't see them. The new tuft of... (laughs) The new tuft of chest hair has enveloped his entire lower body. And then he feels it. Hair growing from his forehead, his back, the soles of his feet, his tongue, even his eyeballs. He begins to retch and contort as he flops to the locker room floor. He can... (laughs) He can feel... He can feel the hair hardening, forming some sort of shell around him. Vince can't move. He tries to cry out, but just gags on a mouthful of hair. What has he done to himself? Amid the panic of being paralyzed and ensconced in a cocoon of unnatural fibrous keratin, Vince Vince just has one clear thought. I hope Carol Ann doesn't see me like this. Dude, lots, lots going on in those chapters. Yeah, it's dude, so it's all happening. Yeah. It's all happening. A shell of I'm reminded of a couple of things as we read that. Um, one, how great our novel is. It is, indeed. Um, Two, how great it is to give back. How great it is to give back. It feels good to give back and do something for the community. Yep. For the community. Uh, <laughs> how many years have you guys been doing this for the community? Uh, Can we figure that out? I don't keep a record of giving yeah, back. No, we, like, I, that'd be crass. Yeah, I feel like we're just in the moment with this it. This is the like, second literacy month, so it's yeah. been about six years, I think. <laughs> so, six times twelve. You know, I'm not a math guy, but, uh, you know, whatever that is. It's a lot of It might be months. 72. 72 months that of literacy. That sounds like a biblical number. It does, it's not, but it does sound like one. It does sound like one. One of us is a pastor, and I'm saying, no, it's not. Uh Biblical number. But now, anything uh, times 12, I guess, because 12 is a very true. biblical yeah, number. That's right? true. Yes, this is what's so, ordained. Because it's a month, then, and it, therefore there's 12 of those, we're good. It's yeah. been a lot. Of, it's yeah. been, suffice it to say, a lot of literacy, a lot of giving back. Yeah. If you're um, interested in biblical numerology, you would want to read It's All Happening <laughs> uh, Physical Prophecies for 2021, which is an article in the Gut Check Quarterly <laughs> by Dr. Van Shrimpy. There you go. Also, you'd want to read Re-Raptured, the complete epic, which you is a book. You need to read that. Yeah, yes, I you need like that. I feel that that's really important for people's personal spirituality, yeah. how they interact with their, their literacy, family, the world, their, <laughs> their literacy. literacy. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to you be guys really, are doing a really great service for the community. Well, thank you very much. I don't so, want to say that we're heroes. Would one of you say it? Yeah. You guys are heroes. Oh, no, we're oh, not. Oh, no, no, stop. Maybe. I don't know. 
Stop with the hero talk. I mean, really, it's too much. But okay. uh, you know, don't stop. Yeah, but don't stop. Uh, Zach, we've done what we always do on this program. We've made is, your wife fall asleep. Which is <laughs> making my wife fall asleep and reading out loud four chapters of a book that we wrote ourselves. <laughs> and laughing uproariously at our own words. <sighs> and we will see you... Next time. Then pay phone at your best friend's wedding. Call me in the middle of the night. Send baby, we know where this is heading. Let's make